3: Speak to.
2: Him.
0: They are who we thought they were.
2: When we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y stick C
1: The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt.
3: Well, I'm going to go to college. I'll just play football.
2: Here we go. Hour number two of the show, off and running. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. In all 82 counties across the state of Mississippi. Go with the home team. Staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire. Customer Inspired. Check out the latest deals. They have some deals going on right now at uh, C Spire. You can find them at cspire.com. Welcome into the show. For everybody watching on Facebook, hi to you. Hello to you. Thanks for tuning in there. Uh, hey to everybody watching the stream on Periscope Twitter. And for everybody listening on the radio, religiously, loyally, on 105.9 The Zone. Beaver is here today. And uh, he's going to get Scott Strickland on the phone with us in a few minutes. So we still got a little ways to go here, but I uh, get a chance to catch up with the uh, Florida athletics director, formerly from Mississippi state and a friend and very high up the chain in college athletics. We continue to kind of discuss where things are. Now I mentioned this to you in hour one, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the sec had a teleconference where he explained some things, you know, this has been a one-week, just absolute whirlwind. Think of where we are right now as human beings, as a society, okay, as a species. Think of where we are right now compared to one week ago. Now, one week ago last Thursday was when everybody got sent home from the SEC basketball tournament in Nashville. Think about everything that has all the ebbing and flowing and changing and twisting and turning that has happened in that week. It's really been something else. This is really the first time where he's been able to sit down, get onto a conference call with media, take their questions and kind of elaborate on some things. Here's a few things that Greg Sankey said in regards to this abrupt cancellation of all sports, Uh, in the SEC, which is not exclusive to the SEC. It's everybody. But here's what Greg Sankey, the commissioner, said.
3: That includes all of our remaining SEC championship events. We also made a statement that we will not conduct spring football games in the conference nor any so-called pro day activities on our campuses moving forward uh, through the rest of this term. We've canceled conference championships now in, by my count, 11 of our 21 sports, indicating how busy the spring is for us in the conference office and on our campuses. That includes men's basketball, uh, gymnastics, equestrian, men's and women's tennis, men's and women's golf, men's and women's women's outdoor track and field, softball and baseball. Uh, We we do understand the impact of each of those events, some on campus, some conducted at neutral sites.
2: That's Greg Sankey. You hear all those things. not... We think about baseball. We think about softball, the basketball tournament. Man, it's a lot more than just that. He was asked about the financial impact. Listen to his answer closely.
3: Well, the financial impact, candidly, does not been at the forefront of our conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, we've made decisions based on the health and well being of people around our programs. There certainly are revenue implications. Uh, we have staff working through those. I'm certain every conference is working to assess the, the financial impact, and uh, I'm not going to make predictions other than we've seen alterations in the NCAA tournament that no doubt will have a financial impact. Uh, I'm grateful to be in the Southeastern Conference. There's no place I'd rather be in these uh, tumultuous times. Uh, and and I'm I'm certain we'll move forward financially in a positive way, but we'll have to figure out all of the adjustments and impacts in the the days and weeks ahead.
2: And, And so one more thing. What about spring football practice? There have been those questions. You've asked those on this show some. What is the possibility? They could just practice and get them in but do it later in the year if miraculously we come out of this thing sooner than people think. Listen to Greg Sankey's answer.
3: If you look at uh, the national public messaging about no gatherings above 50, certainly difficult to conduct any football practice under that limitation. And even with smaller numbers that have been communicated, 10 is often referenced, uh, thereby making it impossible into May, as has been stated. So I'm not going to be overly optimistic about the return to practice. We haven't fully foreclosed that opportunity, but I think practically that window is pretty narrow.
2: The window is pretty narrow, and I think that answer from the commissioner of the SEC is pretty telling. Let's talk to somebody way up the food chain in the SEC right now. He's the athletics director at the University of Florida, and he's one of our own, a Mississippian by birth. Scott Strickland on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Scott, um, I, I know this is just the general greeting, but I really mean it. How are you? (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, Matt.
1: Um, we're, I'm doing great. We're healthy and, and uh, family's healthy. Uh, it's just a really bizarre time. You know, we're hoping everybody stays healthy and everybody makes good choices. Um, this is certainly, uh, it feels unprecedented. When yeah. people say something's unprecedented, I wonder if it really is, but this certainly feels that way. Um, certainly in our lifetime, uh, you know, we've had tornadoes at basketball tournaments. We've had hurricanes that have forced postponement. Uh, many of us remember uh, 9-11 and, and the impact that had on our society but this feels different um because there's you know there's been no terrorist attack and, and the weather's fine uh we just we're kind of at a standstill and at, uh certainly college athletics is an important part of our society and when uh when that goes away and, and along, along with everything else it, it makes a big difference in people's lives
2: you know the comparison to 9-11, that actually came up on our radio show here yesterday, Scott. And while, you know, it, it feels a little uneasy to, to compare anything to a terrorist attack like what happened then, we were looking at it strictly from a sports perspective. And, you know, we look back at that and go, well, I mean, President Bush was throwing out the first pitch at a Yankees game like a week later, or whatever it was, you know, or a week and a half, two weeks later. And... What's so mind-boggling about this, Scott, is we don't know that we'll throw any pitches a month later or three months later or six months later. You know, that's the thing. You see where I'm coming from?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, the un- the unknown nature of when things may get back to normal can be a little unsettling in and of, it- in and of itself, um, especially in the world of athletics where, there there seemingly is always something you're working toward. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on what time of year, depending on the sport, you're always working for the next competition or the next practice, um, the next uh, opportunity to get better, the next time in the weight room. Whatever it is, you're working toward some kind of timeline. And, you know, last week we woke up and all of a sudden there was no timeline. And there there was nothing that anybody was working toward. And we didn't know when that – we still don't know when that – when that might be, and mm-hmm. um, you know, right now it almost feels like a like a novelty. Um, you know, in the weeks ahead, it it could it could really provide some mental challenges for people uh, to, to kind of process.
2: Scott Strickland on your radio right now. Y'all follow him on Twitter. Just his name at Scott Strickland, athletics director, University of Florida. How often are your coaches, particularly your football coaches? kind of reaching out to you just wanting some nugget of information as to when they can do their jobs again
1: um you know it's uh it's interesting how how you know i guess grown up our coaches have been they Hmm. they, they understand what we're dealing with as a culture as a society as a nation um they've they've you know they took the message well. We gave it to them last week. We actually met with our coaches before the SEC made the decision to cease all practice, all activity. About an hour before the, the SEC made that decision, I met with our staff, and, and we just had already made the decision we were going We were probably going to get to that point anyway. We were going to go ahead and do that, and it was it was hard. You know, we we cut a baseball team that uh, was ranked number one in the country, a gymnastics team was ranked number two in the country. Um, football is getting ready to start spring practice. We had another, uh, other number of other sports. You know, basketball is about to go to the NCAA tournament. A lot of, a lot of things that people, again, were working toward and had high hopes for it just got taken away in the instant. But our coaches have been really mature about it. They've done it really well. Um, there is going to come a time here where they're going to want to engage with their athletes about the sport. And I don't know when that can be right now. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm as anxious as, as, everyone else is to to get those answers. But right now, this is what I told our coaches. We're so used to competing, and it makes it hard when the competition is gone. And right now we have to take all that energy of competition and put it into competing against uh, the virus. Mm. And we need to to treat this as our competition. We need to take every precaution like you would preparing for a game. You you think about every uh, possible outcome, and you try to prepare for it. We need to prepare for every possibility the next few weeks to try to stop the spread of this thing because that is our path to things getting back to normal on the other side. The quicker we manage this and take care of this and do all the things we're being asked to do from a social distancing standpoint and all the other things, the quicker we can we can have some sense of normalcy return.
2: Sure. Scott, what are your uh, thoughts concerning the idea of restoring eligibility to... Spring athletes that that had the year taken from them. So, like a, you know, if it's a junior or senior baseball player or a softball player, the idea of well, we're just going to restore that entire year of eligibility. What are your thoughts about doing that?
1: I I think that's the right approach. Um, in theory, you know, the, there's a lot of questions about how that happens because um, there's a there's an impact. So roster limits, there's an impact to, you know, freshmen who are coming in to take position of seniors we all thought were graduating. Um, but, you know, we we always talk in athletics about how we want to provide this experience for our young people, um, and, and it's not going to be a convenient, nothing we do about this is going to be convenient, but to me, the right thing to do is to figure out a way to have, let those young people have their year back from an eligibility standpoint. And, and I, I may be the minority. I think we should figure out a way to, to, to allow it for our winter sport athletes who did not get a chance to complete the championship portion of their season. And that gets a little stickier and, and a little more complicated, but I, I would love to see that be kind of a guiding process, the guiding principle is how do we best provide these young people the opportunity that was taken away from them even if it's uncomfortable, even if, if it's going to cost money, even if it doesn't make sense for everybody, um, let, let's find a way to, to provide it where it makes sense and, and and let those kids have their year. I mean, um, you know, you think about basketball teams like Dayton that was having a once-a-generation type season, mm-hmm. and now that's gone. It's just gone. How was out of the air. They may have seniors who don't want the opportunity to come back, but if they do, I, I think that should, we should look at figuring out a way to do that. And the mm. same thing goes for our swim athletes and our track athletes and our gymnasts and, and certainly all of our spring sports.
2: Scott Strickland on your radio. And, Scott, you know what's encouraging for me? Um, hearing you kind of describe it that way. I've listened to Commissioner Sankey's comments. I heard John Cohen on this show yesterday. Two days ago we had Keith Carter on. And there's a similar message from all you guys that I hear, and that is you understand the sensitivity of the experience that these players get to have versus how much money it costs. You know, because a lot of people look at it, Scott, and they go, I mean, we're talking about millions upon millions of dollars and scholarships and everything. But it's encouraging, I think, for people to hear somebody like you and Commissioner Sankey, who are in the decision-making roles in college athletics, go, "No, no, no, you can't really put a price on a kid's senior season. There's no price you can put on it. It's worth whatever we have to come up with." And I think it's encouraging for people to hear that.
1: Uh, one of the one of the things that that uh, jumped out at me last week when we were all in Nashville for the for the basketball tournament, we had our AD meetings. Uh, around the tournament and all these decisions were being made about, uh, you know, do we play the tournament with no fans and do we play the tournament at all? Um, the, the financial aspect of, of those decisions, um, were, it was minimal. I mean, it, it came up, hey, what does this mean? But it did not drive decision making. And what drove decision making is what's, what's the best for the welfare of our student athletes, our coaches, our fans? We'll figure out the financial piece. Um, and so I do think there's, you know, for, for all the, the, uh, the cynicism about money and that's in the system of college athletics, I, I, I do think we have a lot of people, um, most of our people, that when, when important decisions get made, uh, those decisions are being made for the right reasons and, and financial reasons are, are secondary.
2: Yeah. You know, Scott, um, I've, I've been trying to think of the best way to word the question. Uh, I don't want it to be a leading question in any way put you in a corner. But I think fans really would like to know what level of concern you have, someone in your position, what level of concern you have for this thing carrying over and affecting the 2020 football season in the fall. What can you say to that, your level of concern about that? Um,
1: I think we're going to respond as a nation, and people are going to make the right decisions, and we're going to be able to slow the spread to to the point where we'll have a uh, a sense of normalcy this fall that will allow us to, to open schools back up and 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 have the extracurricular activities like football, like volleyball, like soccer, and everything else. I, that's that's what I think. I you know I I don't have any insight, obviously, and, and, and I'm as. You know, I'm I'm guessing like everybody else right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if if that were to happen, then we would, you know, I'd, you're talking about financial impact. There would be financial financial implications, but um, to our programs, but but we would be able to survive that. If for some reason that is not the case and we are not back to quote normal come this fall, that's a different that's a different animal, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's gonna require. Uh, a lot of hard discussions and conversations and and decisions across not just college athletics, across a lot of different er enterprises. Um, We're not at that stage right now. Uh, You you know, you listen to experts who who study, uh, you know, the the curve and and, uh, financial markets and everything else. There there tends to be some thought that by this summer we'll be able to, to start understanding what normal looks like again and, and then by the fall we might be okay to, to resume normal activity I certainly hope so I, I was talking to uh, a member of one of our uh, uh, our boards here who uh, I said you know can you imagine you know assuming everybody we get through this and, and we are able to get back to normal next fall can you imagine the first home football game on each of these campuses how cathartic that's going to be for for our fan bases for our alumni bases you know, after months and weeks and months of of no spring sports and no practice and and uh, having the professional sports taken away, all the things that people who love athletics are used to kind of planning their life around being taken away for months. When when suddenly, if we can have SEC football on our campuses this fall, that is going to be such an emotional, uh, uplifting event for all these communities, all these states, and, and really all across the country, and. And that's why I really think it's important. We, we, we take actions right now that are going to allow us to get to that point. Um, so if that means staying at home, working from home, doing without some things, making some, some uh, short-term sacrifices, it's going to pay off if we can get back to normal in the fall.
2: Good stuff. Scott, I really appreciate it. know it's a time where things are moving and shaking constantly and conference calls and trying to figure things out. And I just appreciate you in the middle of all that, giving me a little time here on the Thursday. Thank you, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, Matt. Our prayers with everybody back in Mississippi. Y'all take care of yourself during this time.
2: I appreciate that. You too. Thank you very much. That's uh, Scott Strickland. Y'all follow him on Twitter, at Scott Strickland. You see it there on the screen if you're watching the stream. He is the Athletics Director at the University of Florida, formerly of Mississippi State, and a Jackson native, graduated from Jackson Prep High School years ago. So that is uh, another angle. It's a th- I guess that's the third SEC Athletics Director that's been on the show so far this week. You're hearing different perspectives on it. I, again, you know, um, now I'm in my opinion mode here. But as you listen to the folks who have access to all the information, people like Scott, John and Keith, Sankey, As you hear them, they're in the conversations, they're getting excellent information, they've got to make decisions, they've got to be prepared for the future. I think the one overriding thing that stands out to me is they all sound like they are in the same state of unknown as we are. Now, I don't say that and I'm not trying to scare anybody for dramatic effect and it doesn't scare me I'm not afraid I just think that's the matter of the fact as we sit here on March the 19th what I hear this week from decision makers is there's more that we don't know than what we do know every single day is a wait and see (laughs) at this point is what it feels like that's where we are just one of the many reasons why it is exactly what Scott said. It's unprecedented. Nothing like it really in the history of the sports war, really in the history of America, going back to wartime. It's basically unprecedented. Interesting times. All right. A long ways to go with you. We'll get your phone calls and texts next. Here in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. All right. Back on the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Scott Strickland, AD at Florida. Now it's your turn jump on the divini equipment phone line with me 995-1059. that's a 601 number text me on the country pleasing sausage text line country pleasing sausage in grocery stores throughout the southeast and uh, if you get a chance definitely stop into the country meat packers butcher shop right there on the highway highway 49 in Florence I'm just telling you If you haven't been in there, go in there. You will not believe all the stuff in there available. And I'm talking top shelf. Maybe the thickest pork chops I have ever seen. I got and took home from uh, Country Meat Packers in their shop right there on Highway 49. Go check them out. Steaks, everything, not just sausage there. Uh, Look at this. I was going to... It's one of those things like you plan something. I was going to hit this sound button whenever we had Scott Strickland on, and I forgot it, forgot to do it. So I'll do the next best thing, and I'll hit it now since Gator Nation is on the Divinity Equipment phone line. The little chomp-chomp thing there. I meant to do it for Strickland. I just whiffed. Chomp-chomp. Gator Nation, so you got your phone charged up and you're ready to go, huh? Yes, sir,
0: Mr. Wyatt. How you doing, sir? As
2: far as I know... I'm just right.
0: All right well, uh, we, we, we hear all this other stuff, so let me be like Paul Harvey and give you the rest of the story. Okay, let me hear it. Okay, is it true that they was winning? Well, well, let's go back all these years that Bernie has taken pay cuts and taken less money. Right. 20 years, they got Randy Moss for a couple of, a couple of years. Other than Randy Moss, where is the weapon? Where did their money go? Belichick's pocket, I assume. But well, he sure didn't have any weapons all these years. Then, a couple of years ago, did Brady, did Belichick, or did Belichick not, want to trade Tom Brady? He started this feud. Mm-hmm. Kraft had to step in and stop him trading Tom Brady. Then he, he wanted to trade Gronk. The deal was done with the Lions. And Gronk, when Gronk said he would retire, if he got traded, then, then the trade was off. Mm-hmm. This, and even this offseason, did he, did he even attempt to talk to Greg Olson? Did he try to trade for... DeAndre Hopkins? Did he try to trade for Stefan Did he? He has done nothing to try to help. He rather destroy the Patriots than win a Super Bowl. Belichick is the reason. He is so jealous of Tom Brady.
2: And you, you bring up good points, Gator Nation. Here's the thing about it. Though they, you go, well, they didn't bring in weapons, but but I mean, how can we say that when we sit here and we go, well, he did play with Gronk for all those years, and they do right. go out and bring in Edelman, who you know became a yeah a number one target. They did go right. out and bring in LeGarrette Blunt as a running back, a punisher who was a big part of what they did. They did go out and tried their best to bring in who was it, uh, Antonio Brown, who yeah. is a is a nutball. But they went and got him. You know You know what I'm saying? Like They did go get him. They gave him a shot. So I guess what I'm saying is we could probably argue it until we're blue in the face, but it's not like they didn't do anything. If they totally well, didn't right. do anything and money was just going into Belichick's pocket, they wouldn't have been winning. And well, if, right if Brady goes to Tampa and lights the NFC South up and takes over... And runs the Saints out of their dome and walks with 10, 11 wins into the NFC playoffs and wins the NFC championship and takes Tampa to a Super Bowl. Then you and I are going, if, the- if all that happens, you and I are going to have a totally different conversation. I'm just going to listen to you and I'm going to shut up because you'll be absolutely right. But until then, well. I feel like you may be going a little overboard.
0: Well, even if you take all that away, they was going to Super Bowls, and Belichick wants to trade Brady. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That was the stupidest of it. And then he trades Garoppolo to the 49ers for a second round pick when the Browns over the number four pick in the first round.
2: See, that's the thing that I can't figure in my head, is if what you're saying is true, and he was you know, either jealous, you say jealous of Brady. I don't think jealous, but it's something. Okay, so... What is the feud? Why is he trying to trade Brady? If he was getting to that point with Brady, then why do what they did with Garoppolo? Was it simply because they couldn't afford him? I mean, you know... Well,
0: they offered Garoppolo a... uh... They offered him a five-year contract at seventeen million a year to continue to be Brady's backup. Yeah, Brady's back but he continue.
2: did the right thing though by going right. financially by getting out of there, going to San Francisco. Because what he get out there? Like he totally cashed in. Some yeah, I forget. Yeah, what I don't the know. Numbers would know.
0: Probably like $20-something 20, 20 twenty-something million yeah, a year. 25, that's right. Twenty-seven million a year.
2: Yeah, But I get but what you're right. saying. Look, look. Here's the thing.
0: But to me, it's just like the Kobe Shaq and Jimmy Johnson, uh uh Gary Jones, Brady, and they all want the credit, and they all jealous to share it with
2: each other. You know what, Gator Nation? I think you're right to point something out, and that is this. And, and I'm the world's worst at it. I discount, a lot of times I sit back and I totally discount the ego at that level of sports. Because in my walk of life, in your walk of life, in everyday life for us normal human beings, that that level of ego doesn't exist too often, right? We're not familiar with it, right? And I right. discount it, but I think you're right to point out. Look, you look at Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson, the Cowboys. What broke up that dynasty? It was ego, right. you know. And t- for us to, ju- for me to just sit here and assume that, you know, Brady's well, he humble. He's it. taking team friendly deals. He's humble. You know, Belichick's humble. He doesn't say my- no. No, they've all got massive egos. So I think you're probably right that that's a part of this.
0: Well, I appreciate the time, Mr. White. I really, really enjoy the show. Let's thank do you. It every day at
2: work. Thank you, man. Call me anytime. All right. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, speaking of the Gators, do y'all remember? Now, I know this is a little bit of a stretch. And Jason out in Flagstaff, if you're listening, now this is going to light you up because this is right up your alley. <laughs> But since we had a little bit of a Gator theme, I was just thinking about something. Do y'all remember what I said after Dan Mullen went to Florida about what he was... I said then what he was going to have to do in order to be successful at Florida that he had not done as the coach at Mississippi State very much, if ever. Do y'all remember what that was? I said... If he's going to do what they want him to do at Florida, here's what he's going to have to do that he didn't do at State. He's going to have to beat teams who have better players than his. Here's what I mean by that. The point that I was making is that Dan Mullen at State, all those years you know, a heck of a coach, no doubt, did a phenomenal job building a program from what just seemed like just absolute scratch. He took over – a team at the bottom of the league in everything. And when we handed it over a decade later, he handed it over with top half of the league facilities, top half of the league roster, momentum. I mean, it's just, it was incredible the difference. He did an unbelievable job. But what he was unable to really do at State because of the style of play, the way he ran the program, and all, it was really consistent. But that consistency meant he didn't go out and throw the haymaker punch and he was never Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. You know, he didn't go out and beat Alabama. He beat LSU twice, right, in nine years. And he never beat Alabama. And look, frankly, the the two years, to his credit, the two years he beat LSU, he had a better team than LSU. But when LSU had the better team and the better players, he never threw the upset. Alabama always had better players. He never beat them. And what I said was, if he's going to be successful at Florida and do what they want to do, he's going to have to pretty routinely figure out a way to beat teams who have better players. He didn't really do that at State. Because Georgia outrecruits recruits Florida. They have and they will. You know, and anytime an Alabama or an LSU rotate—I mean, an Alabama rotates under the schedule. Guess what? They have better players. LSU—they play them every year. Guess what? LSU's got better players. So, what did he do? Here's the point: Last season, Dan Mullen in Florida beat one team that had better players, but it was really close, and you might even argue it. And that was Auburn. Auburn was ranked number seven, and Florida beat them 24 to 13. The rest of their wins Miami, UT Martin, Kentucky, Tennessee, Towson, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Florida State. Florida had better players than everybody they beat, with the exception of Florida. And guess what? The two teams that had better players in Florida beat them LSU and Georgia. What about in 2018? What about in 2018, Mullen's first year at Florida? Who'd he lose to? Kentucky? Look back at that Kentucky team that had better players. He lost to Georgia. Georgia had better players. And he lost to Missouri, who he shouldn't have lost to. In 2018, he beat... Two teams with better players. Mississippi State on the road 13 to 6, and LSU 27 to 19. In two years at Florida, he has three wins over teams who had better players. That might be more than he ever beat. <laughs> well, I don't know. But that's about as many as he did in nine years at State. I'm looking at it, and the guy is on track doing exactly what I said he had to do if he was going to kind of take that next step. He's done it three times in two years in Gainesville. Stick around.
1: You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
2: Good show today. Appreciate you so much for tuning in and hoping that uh, Beaver and I can give you something that you appreciate as well. A little aside, maybe a, uh, some fun, a laugh or two, a little distraction from uh, bigger distractions. So give and take, that's what we hope. And I really do appreciate all the texts and the phone calls. Uh, it been a fun show. And still a ways to go. Not done yet. Here on the country-pleasing text line, Anthony from Tupelo says, what do college athletes do during this time? Will the strength and conditioning coaches make up workout plans for them, or are they just on their own? No. They are in constant contact with their coaches, and they are expected to complete stuff. And that is the same for high school players, too. I've got some friends of mine that are high school coaches that I follow them on Twitter, and they are constantly tweeting out everyday reminders for their players. Uh, motivation that, hey, don't be sitting on your fanny when you're at home, getting a weight room. This is your workout for today, you know, and that kind of stuff. So they're in constant contact trying to keep them ready. Spence says, hey, Matt, I thought you'd get a kick out of this. My daughter that's in kindergarten asked me this morning, daddy, how long are we going to be out of school for this coronation?'" <laughs> Cause cross between coronavirus and vacation, huh? Coronacation. He said, after just about laughing until I cried, I finally answered her and said, honey, I'm not sure. Kids know exactly what is going on, sometimes more than we know. Love the show. Spence, listening in Brookhaven. Thank you. You're right. They're smarter than we think sometimes. True Maroon says, Brady going to Tampa is going to be like Montana going to Kansas City. That sounds like a repeat of yesterday. I felt the same way, True Maroon. He says they will be mediocre at best, and that's kind of how I felt. You know what? Uh Joe Montana went to Kansas City early nineties, won eight games, and next year won nine games. They were competitive. Sure. They were good. Beat some teams, good, but they weren't Super Bowl good. And nobody's gonna expect that out of Tampa either. Walton, who sent us the turkey hunting picture yesterday on the text line, says we take a can of red beans and rice, sautéed onions, country and sausage with homemade cornbread, slap your mama, good. Make your tongue slap your hat off, I guarantee you. In regards to the Florida Gators, Gator Nation texted and said Georgia and LSU have new cool quarterbacks. They can't work with the team and learn the system during this summer because of the virus. Trask and Jones already know the system at Florida, and he said I think that's a huge factor, and I do too. That is a great point. I think that is a a big factor. Jason said, Mullen recruiting an army of four-star guys knowing he'll make them better. He's not going to be in the red in players for much longer. Then it's game over because he's a much better coach than anyone they're playing. And if you could say that all players being equal, all teams and rosters being equal, who is the coach in the SEC East that you want, you're going to pick Mullen. Period. If you know what you're talking about, you're going to pick Mullen. Period. The end. Uh, Judy, listening in Oxford, texts the show, and she said her kid's gym is closed and he would love to work out. That's the other thing about the workout thing is, you know, if it's if, uh, if a player is at home, college or high school, if you're at home and the only weight room, sure enough, weight room that you have access to is closed, then what are you going to do? And then it's on to plan B, C, I don't know, fill some buckets with uh, quick creep, let it set overnight, and just use those or something. I don't know, put a bar in there and <laughs> curls and figure out a way to do the bench. I don't know, Figure, pick up a big tractor tire, you know what I mean? That is a great point. That is a great point. I want to bring a couple of stories to your attention here real quick in regards to all of this. Not everything is doom and gloom. People are stepping up. Folks, listen. We have problems. We're divided. One side thinks the other side is evil and vice versa. But listen. There are a lot of good, good people who will give you the shirt off their back. Minnesota United Soccer donates 2,000 pounds of food from postponed home opener. Fruits, vegetables, dairy, dry goods delivered to the Aliveness Project and second harvest of Heartland of Minnesota that goes to feed people who don't have food, feed kids who are home from school, who they don't have enough food at home. The best food they eat all year, that lunch, in the lunchroom at school. 2,000 pounds of food donated by a pro sports team. More to come. Here's another one. Um, I've had a lot of favorite Braves players over the years. You know, the farther you go back into the 80s and 90s, the more of them, obviously, because I'm that old. But more recently, Jason Hayward was one of my favorites. Just a great guy, great teammate, never caused a problem, played his tail off, and then went to, uh, he's wound up with the Cubs. I think he went to St. Louis for a little while. Cubs right fielder Jason Hayward said yesterday he will donate $200,000. To be split between two companies. 100000 going to Mask Chicago, which is collecting supplies and meals for families that have been affected by the virus. Another 100000 going out to the Greater Chicago Food Depository. $200,000. You go, well, he's making millions. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I would almost guarantee you a guy like that not the last donation he's going to make. And there are hundreds and hundreds of others like him doing it who don't have a news story covering it. People are stepping up. They always do. We always do. People are stepping up. Pardon the pun, but people are stepping up to the plate in a time of need for others. If that doesn't raise the hair on the back of your neck, then your wood's wet if that won't light your fire. Listen, there's a lot of good in this world. Be a part of that. Look for somebody to help. Don't, you know, don't complain about being at home. Look up in the sky when you get a little sunshine. Thank the Lord for it. Look for somebody to help. There's a lot of good going on out there. Did you see the message from Johnny Manziel, the former Heisman winner out of Texas A&M? It literally said, if I can stay out of the club, anyone can quarantine. (laughs) I just appreciate the guy for having a sense of humor. If I can... He posted on Instagram, if I can stay out of the club, anyone can quarantine. (laughs) boy Johnny. <clears throat> All right, and just for fun, I got like two minutes left. This is selfish. Just for fun. Here's the Wayback Machine before I th- send you out and we come back tomorrow on Friday. On this day, March the 19th, in television history, on this day in 1982, the 100th episode of this show aired, and then... In 1989, the 300th episode of this show aired. Got any ideas, Beaver? You got any ideas? I think I'm stumped. I'm just going to let it play for a second, see if anybody uh, see if anybody gets it. Oh, Gator Nation got it already on the country-pleasing text line. Yeah, Dallas. That's it. Brandon got it. Dallas. Sure did. The 100th episode on this day in 82, the 300th on this day in 89. How about that? Let me see if y'all get some more. Everybody know what this one is? One of the greatest shows of all time. It's the greatest theme song of all time. That's my number one favorite iconic theme show song of all time. Here's my number two. Are you an Office fan, Beaver? Oh, big time. Really? I'm glad to know. Here's something
0: else you'll be glad to know. What's that? A fun fact. Next Tuesday will mark the 15-year anniversary of the premiere of the pilot episode.
2: Really? 15 years? Oh, my gosh. And they were on for nine seasons. Such a great show. That's my number two. Uh, My number three all-time theme song is this. Well, it's not playing. I don't think it's going to play. And number four, it was Jefferson's, you know, moving on up. Number four would be this one.
3: Thank you for being a
2: my uh, eight-year-old daughter, ben. Beaver, knows this song by heart, sings it all the time because my wife watches it all the time on the Hallmark Channel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There
2: it is. Let may bust some more. We may do... Um, We may do TV theme song trivia tomorrow on the show because it's Friday. I love that stuff. All right, boys and girls. Appreciate all the texts and the phone calls. That's been a lot of fun for me today, and I hope we've been fun for you. See ya.